Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. I want to ask you a question tonight. What's the center of your life? All week I've been thinking about this. I was thinking about a push bike. And the center of a push bike wheel is the, the hub. And you've got all these spokes going out. And if the hub is not in the center and in good order, what's going to happen? Your spike, spokes are going to start to break. They're going to start to bend. And if you don't have that hub in the center of your wheel, centered and healthy and strong, it starts to put pressure on the tire, on the tube, on the spokes. And before you know it, stuff goes. And then your bike, you're probably going to tumble onto the road. And I remember one one of our kids was riding their bike years ago up this uh, dirt road near the farm. And they got a, a stick. I think it was Tim. He was riding a bike. And a stick got in the spokes. And it just locked the wheel up. And he was going at a fair rate of knots, probably 30 or 40 kilometers an hour. And the bike just stopped dead stop because a stick got in the spoke and he went flying I don't know how many meters through the air and there's dirt and dust flying everywhere and gravel rash and I remember just what happens when something gets in the spokes but it's even it's as bad or worse when the center is out of balance and you start to go wobbling down the road you know and then you get a broken spoke and then you get another one and another one and the journey becomes very bumpy and very dangerous and so the question is tonight, what or who is at the center of your life? And I want to talk tonight that if Jesus is the center of our life, a whole lot of things get smoother in life and a whole lot of things start to get sorted. But many of us have other things at the center. Sometimes we have self at the center where I want my way and I want it now. Or I want what I want in relationships and, and situations. And if we've got self at the center, guess what? We make some dumb choices along the journey. Other people have got other people's opinions or agendas at the center of their life. And that's when, when it comes down to it, you hear that person's voice and that's the choices you make instead of doing what you know is the right choice. Other people want darkness or your past or shame or hope. But if you've got Jesus at the center of your life, let me tell you, some things get in order and the journey of life is a whole lot more smoother and you'll travel a lot further in life when Jesus is at the center. Let's have a look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. So we can't see God. So God sent Jesus in flesh and blood so we could get an understanding of what God is by his nature and heart. And it says, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Wow, so in Christ, all things hold together. And the enemy, the antichrist, anti means against, so the enemy of our soul, Satan, the devil, the spirit of darkness, is out to come against everything that Jesus Christ is to try and bring destruction on this earth and chaos in your world. But it says in Jesus, everything is held together but the enemy comes to try and bring destruction. 
And we know how powerful the name of Jesus is. That's why when you sing his name, when you speak his name, things shift. The atmosphere shifts. Your thoughts shift. You start to get centered in your life. And that's why it's so powerful to sing the name of Jesus. That's why so many of our songs about Jesus. And he's the center. I love those songs we sang tonight, you know, that with the whole... Our whole being, you know, we, we worship him. He's the center. Because when you get Jesus in the center, let me tell you, the wheel of your life starts to move forward and you're not bumping up and down and crashing into things and things start to break and fall apart. And I feel tonight there's a call of the Spirit of God over some of us to get re-centered on Jesus. Some of us have known God for a long time. Others of you are just fairly new in this journey of faith or maybe you're still deciding where you're going to put Jesus in your life. But I feel the call of the Spirit of God tonight for him to be the center because I want to tell you his name is very powerful I remember the first time I went to Fiji on a missions trip I I went over there with uh, the evangelist Tim Hall anyone heard Tim Hall preach he's a he's a wild man of the spirit and when he gets preaching anything happens and we saw a whole lot of miracles and people instantly set free blind people seeing and, and hearing and I remember the first night I was over there Um, His plane got delayed. And so two hours before the big crusade meeting on the soccer field, the pastor comes and says, oh, you're preaching tonight because Tim Hall's plane's delayed. I was there to do teaching in the morning with the pastors and preach at churches, not to do uh, a crusade with thousands of people. And many of them Hindus and Indians. We were in the uh, furthest side of Fiji where very few tourists go. And so I said, okay, let's go. So I thought, what am I going to preach on? Because I'd come with messages to inspire the pastors and teach them. But this was full-on evangelism. So the only verses I got was Acts chapter 3 about Peter and John and praying for the lame man. He gets healed in the name of Jesus. So I get up and I start reading those verses. And as soon as I mentioned the name Jesus, the whole place went chaotic a lady jumped up in the crowd and started screaming. She was demonized and she started screaming and racing through the crowd. Next minute, the young trainee passes the Bible costumes are chasing her. They crash tackle her like in a rugby game and I'm trying to preach and there's absolute chaos happen as soon as I mention the name of Jesus because his name is powerful and the powers of darkness were, were shaken as soon as I preached the name of Jesus. So I'm trying to keep some order in this place. They take her out the back and they're praying for her and getting her set free. So there's the full-on deliverance session happening behind the stage while I'm trying to preach to the thousands of people there. But let me tell you, it wasn't a dull meeting and lots of people come to Christ because the power of the name of Jesus is more powerful than any other thing in this earth. Now, not every time we see such a dramatic encounter, but let me tell you, the name of Jesus is so powerful. Why on earth do you think when people swear, they use the name of Jesus? They don't hit their thumb and cry out Buddha or Muhammad or Confucius. No, they speak the name of Jesus because the devil is out to try and discredit the name of Jesus. Because he knows how powerful Jesus is if he's at the center of your life. He knows that he's the one by the finished work of the cross that can set you free from sin and darkness. He can heal the shame and the pain of your life. He can bring order out of disorder. He can bring blessing out of chaos. And I want to stir your heart tonight how powerful the name of Jesus is. And it goes on and says, He is before all things, verse 17, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body. 
the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things. Wow, so when you let Jesus get into the center of your life, things start to get reconciled. They start to get sorted out. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. In other words, you can know about Jesus, but you can move away from it. We can be moved. If we don't keep Jesus at the center, we will be moved to the side. We'll be moved back into shame or darkness. We'll be moved to live under other people's opinions or pressures. We'll be moved to live by the spirit of this world and the culture of our day and the messages, the popularity that come on the media or on your Facebook. Or we can learn to live with Jesus at the center and his words of life, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. It goes on and says, that this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Wow, that's the gospel. The gospel is good news. The name of Jesus is good news. Don't ever be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. We don't have to misuse his name in any wrong way, but we should never be ashamed of the power of the name of Jesus Christ because it is full of power. It's full of life and it's come to reveal God. Verse 17 in the Amplified in Colossians 1 says, And he himself existed and is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In other words, (coughs) he is the controlling cohesive force of the universe wow some of you might have seen um louis giglio's um one of those amazing things he saw in the heavens when the uh, they they saw those constellations and way out i don't know how many thousands of light years out they found this constellation and here's a huge big image of the cross in the heavens and i thought well Lord, you're so amazing God is so, we have the Southern Cross, which is in a picture of a cross over our sky. And God has come. He's the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. He is also the head, the life source and leader of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and be preeminent in everything. For it pleased the Father for all the fullness of deity, the sum total of his essence, all his perfection, powers, and attributes to dwell permanently in him, the Son. Wow, wow, wow. Don't let people ever uh, decrease the power of Jesus Christ. The enemy hates the name of Jesus. 
He hates you speaking and worshipping Jesus. That's why sometimes you get up on a Sunday morning, sometimes you're so excited to get to church, and other times every chaotic thing that can happen, you know, the, the car won't start. And then uh, you get a message from someone that just seems to get you all riled up. And then something else happens. If you're a parent and got kids, guess what? Someone's going to spill their breakfast and something else is going to happen and the, the clothes they want to wear are still dirty and, and stuff happens. Why? Because the enemy's trying to distract you from worshipping the name of Jesus because when you lift him up on high and you recenter your life every day and every week on Christ, then the Lordship of Jesus is at work and his kingdom can be revealed wherever we go and whatever we do. That's why we praise Him. That's why we worship Him. That's why we pray to Him. That's why we declare His name. That's why we share the good news with everyone around us. Because it is the power of God to salvation. And I loved this morning with our transformation, hearing uh, Matt and Lena share their story of how they came from darkness to light, from disorder to order, from chaos to the compassion of Christ. And people here in the church were just impacted. And we had quite a few people here this morning that have never been in a church like this before. And they were so, so impacted and touched because of the reality of Christ that changes lives. And I want to encourage you to make sure that we're centered on Christ, that He is the center of our focus. Ephesians 1.22, Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, which was the center of idol worship and evil in, on his day. There was a, a temple to Artemis, or the great goddess Diana that they worshipped. It was the largest building for the first hundred years of, of uh, this, uh, after Jesus Christ. It was the huge, largest building in the world, and it was to worship the goddess Diana. So Paul goes in the middle and starts preaching. And people start to get saved. And then all the silversmiths, they were going to lose their business because people weren't buying their idols anymore. So this huge riot happens because he was confronting every force that tried to uh, take over from Jesus Christ. And so there's a great power. And then Paul writes this. He says, And he put all things in every realm in subjection under Christ's feet and appointed him as supreme an authoritative head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all believers. Now in those days, they, would have, they used to have these um, silver images of this goddess Diana that they used to worship. And on the bottom around the, the skirt of this picture of this um, female goddess, they had all these names saying that she was the greatest. And so Paul's writing and saying, no, all around Jesus, he's the greatest and this is all a counterfeit. The enemy will always try and counterfeit what is valuable and what is powerful. And so we see that Jesus Christ is awesome. He's powerful. That's what joins our lives together in church. That's why tonight We've got people from all different backgrounds, nationalities, um, education levels, um, understanding of reality and life, young and old, and yet we're here because Jesus is the center. How, how awesome is that? It's so, so powerful. <coughs> and I want to encourage you tonight to just get recentered and refocused on Jesus. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, verse 2, he says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, and united in love, 
so that they may be, have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wow, wow, wow. We've got a lot of information in our world. We've got a lot of information in every university and book and, and everything that we read and study. But it says, in Jesus Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Something happens when you get to know Jesus. He starts to bring wisdom in your life and you make better choices. You'll choose better friends. You'll start to manage your money better. You'll learn to process your emotions better. You won't let negativity and evil and destruction destroy relationships and people. You will speak words that are life-giving instead of producing death and destruction. So when Jesus is there, he starts to change everything about our lives. And as Peter said tonight, God wants our actions to speak louder than our words. And sometimes we can say the words of Jesus on our lips, but it's what's in the heart that really determines what happens. Your, your actions and attitudes will be greater than your words. Because if Jesus is at the center, things change. And I'm amazed, some people when they get saved, from that moment on they can never ever swear or use the name of Jesus in vain anymore. It's like God gets, gets his holy soap and washes their mouth out. I hope none of you had a parent that washed your mouth out with soap if you said wrong words. Some of you are nodding your heads. Uh, I didn't have one of those, thankfully. <clears throat> but Jesus comes and he changes our heart. So then what comes out of our mouth is different. And uh, just a couple more verses I want to share tonight. Philippians 3.10 is a very powerful. Paul's writing, I want to know Christ. That was the cry of his heart. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived in my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Wow, God has come and taken a hold of us. He's grabbed us and arrested our attention. You might have been going in your journey of life, but somehow God's got a hold of you. He's spoken to you. He's had parents that prayed for you or raised you in the right way. Or he sent someone along. Or you got desperate enough and it's like someone grabbed you by the collar and says, what are you doing? Don't keep going that life of destruction. Jesus grabs a hold of us. And Paul said, I want to grab a hold of him so that he's the focus and passion of my life. And he goes on, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on to the goal, on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is the goal? To know Jesus Christ and his ways and his truth and his love and his life and his destiny and purpose for our lives. And how amazing it is when you discover that and live in it. And when we were at conference the other week, Mark Verigis preached a very powerful message on sometimes we get the goal and the prize mixed up. We press on to the goal to win the prize. In life, we often go after the prize and wonder why we miss it and our lives get chaotic. What's the difference between a goal and a prize? If I'm running in the 100 metres race, the goal is to reach the finish line first. 
But if I'm halfway down the track and I start to think of the prize that I'm going to get, maybe the uh, $10,000 I win for the race or the trophy I get or the gold medal around my neck or maybe the, the applause of the crowd and the media coming and interviewing me and filming me because I won the race. If I start to think of the prize and run after the prize but don't run after the goal, I'm not going to win the prize. And so often in life... We start to go after the prize and we forget the goal and we wonder why things don't work out in our lives. What am I talking about? What are some of the prizes that we run after in our lives? One of them is recognition. We want people's approval. We want people to acknowledge, hey, I've studied hard, so therefore I deserve this. Or I've been a good person, therefore God, you should accept me. Or I've been generous to people, therefore I should have lots of friends. And you should forgive me because I'm a good person. And we go after the prize of people's approval and recognition. And we wonder why it doesn't work out in relationships and why people don't want to hang around with us. Or that thing that we've run after, that loving, accepting relationship, the other person doesn't see it that way. And they see you as a controlling and manipulative. Because you've gone after a prize instead of a goal. The goal is to let Christ change your life and then you can be loving and caring and forgiving. What other prizes do we go for? Sometimes we go for the results. We want to see the rewards of something. So if I want to get that certificate or I want to get my degree or my diploma and that's the prize but we forget to go after the goal, which means getting all my assignments on in time and doing my uh, reports and reading all the stuff and, and out there doing it. That's the goal to do all that. If you do that, you're going to get the prize. But it's so easy in life to be tricked to run after the prize. It might be money. It might be esteem. It might be someone else's opinion that you want to ap approval of someone else. So you go after that prize with all of your heart. And then it falls flat and you get so upset and some people get angry at God and saying, God, your word doesn't work. It does, but sometimes we get the goal and the prize mixed up and that's why it doesn't work. And some of you are looking at me and saying, whoa, that makes a bit of sense in my life. There were times when I ran after the prize instead of the goal. The goal is Christ and his kingdom. The goal is loving people, not for what I can get, but to love them because I care for them because they're created in God's image. And if we go after that goal, guess what? Often the prize and rewards of love and acceptance come back. The sense of fulfillment. God wants us. Sometimes the, the uh, prize is relationships. We go after relationships because we're created to want to be loved and, and receive love. God's made us that way. But if you go after that as the prize and the goal, and get it mixed up, then life becomes chaotic. But it's so beautiful when we learn to run after the goal of relationship with Christ, an undivided heart. And when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's amazing how things start to get more in order. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but it's really, really worth it. I've learned that in my life. When I was 17, I'd been brought up in a Christian home, but I came, I remember I, the day I finished grade 12 at high school, and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew, God spoke to me, I was at a youth rally, like a Youth Alive event, they had one of those scary second coming films that 
scared you that maybe Jesus was going to come back and you were going to miss out. But there was a truth in it. And the Lord spoke to me. It was distant thunder or one of those, for those who remember those. God spoke to me and he said, are you going to do your life on your own or are you going to put me at the center and let me lead your life? I said, Lord, I give up. I'm going to surrender to you. And I remember I walked out the front of that youth meeting and I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I did it with as much understanding as I could as a 17-year-old. And I've never deviated from it because I knew that that was a point of surrender and I was going to put Jesus at the center. Doesn't mean I wasn't tempted or challenged on the journey after that. But I knew, I knew that if I put Jesus at the center, his blessing would come over my life. And we've had so much amazing blessing and some challenges, but we've never deviated from that. Because I learned Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And I believe that Jesus is calling us. To have him at the center. I heard a story of a dad who was really busy and one day one of his sons was not well so he had to stay home from school and the dad was working from home and he was doing all his stuff and busy answering emails. He had a home office. He's working hard and the boy just kept interrupting. He was getting bored. So one moment the father had a really brilliant idea. He remembered this jigsaw puzzle with a lots of pieces in it and it was a map of the world and this kid was only about 10 or 11 so he wouldn't know where all the countries fit he thought I'll get him to do that and that'll keep him going for hours 10 minutes later the boy says dad I finished it and dad's thinking no way would have taken him an hour to do it not alone his 10 year old kid so he goes into the next room and there it is the whole map done he says how on earth did you get that sorted the kid said it was easy. I, as I was sorting the pieces out, I, I realized on the back of it, there was actually pictures of part of a face. So he said, I just turned it over and it was a face of Jesus. So he said, I realized that if I got Jesus in the right place, the whole world would be in order. <laughs> wow. That's a powerful thought. If we get Jesus in the right place in our life, your world will start to be in order. But if self is at the center, if other people's opinions are at the center, if your past is driving you, there'll be chaos and things just don't work out. And I feel that God's calling some people tonight to have Jesus at the center. John 14 verse 6 says, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Worship team, as you come tonight, I just want to reflect on that for a moment. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Maybe a newer Christian still learning what it means to have Jesus at the center. You've made a decision to follow Jesus, but you're still understanding how does that work out? How do I do this Christian journey and every day put Jesus at the center? How do I do that when I've been used to being in control or I've been used to letting my past or other people control my decisions and my life? 
Every day we say, Jesus, be the center of my life. Lord, I surrender to you. Philippians 2 says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow on heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And there's some of us trying to, I, I see some of you working on the jig pieces, jigsaw pieces of your life and you've got, a, well, you've got this sort and that sort. Where does this fit? And that? You've got one or two pieces out of place and you know if you get the wrong piece in the wrong place, then you, nothing ever fits. You end up with pieces left over and there's still gaps. I used to get so frustrated with those jigsaw puzzles. Any that had more than 100 pieces used to be chaos. Because if you, if you don't get the edges right, the border right, then it never makes any sense. And it's really hard if you're given a jigsaw puzzle and you can't find the box that gives you the picture of what it's supposed to look like. They're even more chaotic. Some of us feel like that. We're thinking, well, there's so many pieces to my life and I don't know what it's supposed to look like, so how do I know where to put it? But I just feel tonight the Holy Spirit saying, if you surrender and keep surrendering to Jesus... He's going to keep putting the pieces in the right places in your life. He's going to start to sort out your emotions. He's going to help sort out your relationships. He's going to help sort out your expectations and hopes. He's going to help sort out the junk of your past and the pain and the wounds of it. He's going to help sort out your dreams and your hopes so that you're you're reaching up and believing for I want my life to count and be significant. We all want that. But instead of running after things that aren't his purpose, why don't we just say, Jesus, be the center of my life. Let your love lead me and guide me. I just feel his spirit drawing us tonight. Has life been a bit bumpy on the journey? Maybe the wheel, there's a few broken spokes, and the center isn't balanced. It's really bumpy when you've got a few broken spokes and there's damage to the center of your bicycle wheel. It's a really bumpy road. Or you're driving your car and you've got a worn patch on your tire. It's out of alignment and it just starts to wobble. As soon as you get faster, it wobbles. I just feel the Spirit of God saying, hey, why don't we put Jesus at the center? Let's stand in his presence tonight. It's a simple but a powerful message tonight. Is Jesus at the center of your life? Your love is so deep and he just draws us tonight. And maybe things are doing really well. Hey, why don't we just make a fresh commitment and say, Jesus, be the center of my life. Lord, maybe there's one spoke of your life that's just a little bit wobbly. It might be your friendships. It might be your finances or your work or your career or maybe your emotions or your expectations or dreams. Why don't we just surrender that spoke to God and just say, Lord, let it be back in the center. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.